This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 16. Episode 37. This is Writing Excuses. Deep dive into inquiry. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart, are we? <laughs> I hope so. I'm Dan. I'm Ciel. I'm Charlotte. Who am I? <laughs> I'm Mary Robinette. Uh, <laughs> Howard's not here. Someone has to do the funny endings. Oh, someone um, has to do the funny joke. <laughs> Um, and since this episode is looking at the structure of a story driven by questions, I thought that we would do a little questioning there. Uh, continuing our theme, uh, the inquiry story is about questions. They begin when your character asks a question and it ends when they have the answer. That's your basic structure. All of the conflicts that go in the middle are about stopping the character from answering questions. And uh, the obvious example of this is a mystery story, right? Like mm -hmm. a Sherlock Holmes or an Agatha Christie or something like that. Uh, but this all there's a lot of other kinds. Like it occurs to me that uh, you know a lot of science fiction and Andromeda Strain would be an inquiry story. Uh, mm -hmm. Sphere includes a lot of inquiry elements, so I think it might also be a milieu thing. Um, Anything where people are trying to figure out what's going on, whether it is a traditional mystery or not. Yeah, something like um, a scientist undertaking some kind of scientific inquiry, anything like that. That's what I kind of slot into the inquiry zone. Exactly so. I, I think probably the inquiry story is my favorite kind of plot structure i i love the idea of like people trying to find stuff out and and here's all the the nonsense that got in their way as they were trying to figure this stuff out <laughs> yeah i love yeah. to read it i find it very hard to write right so one of the tricks and it i also love the inquiry structure format and struggled with it for a while and then figured out something um, in part based on if you longtime listeners, if you go back uh, and re-listen to the episode with Margaret Dunlap about uh, obstacles versus complications, one of the things that I realized is that in an inquiry story, the obstacles are all the things that are, excuse me, yeah, the obstacles are all the things that are keeping the character from being answer, from answering the question. But the other thing that I realized, and this was the piece that was, that really helped unlock it for me. So we know that every time your character takes an action, it should have consequences, right? This is a mm -hmm. thing. But in an inquiry story, if you want to keep something single thread, all of those consequences are related to that question because the action that your character is taking is the question. Questioning is their action. So when you're looking at this idea of obstacles versus complications, a complication is when the, the question opens up a different problem. But obstacles are when each question opens up another question. It's just like 
the questions keep, it's like, well, I thought, you know, you, you, it's the, the thing where, okay, we have to figure out who the murderer was. And then you get there and they're unquestionably the murderer, but someone has killed them too. <laughs> who killed them? Yeah. <laughs> who killed them? Or, or you get there and it's like, but someone, but it's a hired assassin. Well, who's their boss? You know, or uh, so we've we we've figured out that uh, that you can extract DNA from from an egg. What happens if you stick it into a new egg? Do you get a dinosaur? <laughs> oh my god! Let's find out. So yeah. those are com- uh, obstacles, right? When each question opens up a different question, and a complication. Mm-hmm is when the question opens up a different problem. So perhaps my character is investigating who killed the person and then there's somebody's trying to kill them. Is that a, is that a complication? Yeah, yeah. Right. right, exactly. Because that opens up an event. If someone starts g- tracking them and trying to kill them, that's disrupting their status quo. The, the way I, I explain it sometimes is um, Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes' status quo is a detective. Uh, it is answering questions. So when he encounters a mystery, that's not a disruption of his status quo. His normal is in no way bro- broken. The normal of the people that he's helping, their normal is broken, but it's not their story. It's his story. So he's he's just dealing with this. But in the um, in the uh, the Sherlock the the BBC series, um. We often got things where the the question that that thing would break his own personal status quo, or it would cause him to have some sort of character doubt because of his relationship with Watson, uh, because of the the very you know um, because of some of the Moriarty stuff. So those are those are places where where you have this the complication come in. Mm-hmm. Dan, I saw you sit forward as if you had a thought, and then you just nodded sagely. <laughs> well, I, once again, I'm thinking about, you know, what do we gain by these uh, by these granular definitions? Because um, I think, on the one hand, it's it's very helpful uh, to know, oh, well, if this is an inquiry story, what are the kinds of things that can happen? I can stop the character from finding the answer. I can give the character the answer but in a way that, you know, opens up more questions and doesn't actually solve the, the problem uh, and things like that. Um, I'm, I'm thinking, honestly, the lean forward you saw, my book, Ghost Station, is a spy novel, is very much an inquiry novel uh, because it, is, it begins with the character finding you know, a, a message from a double agent that is confusing and wrong. And the book is about figuring out, well, what's happened? Uh, why is this message so broken? And a lot of the complications that arrive during that process are not necessarily impediments to solving, you know, to finding the answer, but just paranoia ramping up that he, he can trust fewer and fewer people as the story goes on. But but I would I would make the argument with Ghost Station because in, Ghost Station is I think 
really, I mean, it's a beautifully crafted story. But the 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 thing with that is that I think that it is every question he answers opens up these this whole new can of worms. And that's that's why his his circle of trust also erodes. So it is you're right. It is a nested thing of, you know, uh, of inquiry and and event because uh, because his status mm-hmm. quo is constantly shifting. But it's like, OK, so I figured out why, you know, I figured out how this message is different. But why is it different like this? And then yeah. well, here are all of the possible reasons that it could be different. You know that that you might make that choice. Which of those, you know, and and it's just like every time he answers a question, there's another question waiting behind it. Even the "Who can I trust?" is a question. Even the the ways that his status quo has disrupted are are question centric. That is true. You know, it's not until people start shooting at him that that they become really event and action oriented centric. Mm-hmm. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. We should pause for the book of the week, which is not Ghost Station, um, <laughs> uh, which I have recommended before. <laughs> but it is uh, Even Though I Knew the End by C.L. Bulk. It's me. It's me. Um, yeah, I. You probably you might have heard the news a little bit earlier, but um, I have a novella coming out with Tor.com. Uh, the title is Even Though I Knew the End. And since this is a story about an occult detective solving serial murder case, um, I thought it might fit the theme, possibly. Um, it's Yeah, it's coming out, Tor.com. It's not coming out for a while because this is the way of publishing. Um, and it was definitely intended as a mystery story. So I think it'll be a really good inquiry model for like when you get there eventually. Um, if you want to read a book right now, which mark is mystery? Um, and I was thinking about the inquiry story and I just kind of had a little light bulb go off where I, um, Inquiry is a plot model. It's like the way that you can run the events of your story. But inquiry is also the secret to on-the-page microtension, where what you do is you're on the page and you supply a piece of information that has the reader go, oh, what's that? And then you tell them what it is. And then as soon as you've told them what it is, you open another tiny little question so that their curiosity keeps them reading. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's a, raises an interesting thing that, that sometimes I hear people talk about, like, I keep saying uh, when the character has a question and it is true that you can have these, the, the relationship where the reader is the character. Um, it is, it is harder to manage 
um, because the reader cannot be as the only the reader's only active engagement most of the time is to just continue reading. So uh, they they can be often less actively involved in solving a question. But it is it is a thing that you can play with. Um, it is also a thing that can go wrong badly very quickly. Uh, one of the ways that I'll, I'll see things go wrong when people are, are mishandling uh, inquiry is that they will they will try to ramp up tension by withholding information from the reader. And and it's not about just like I'm just not going to tell you this thing. It is it is what C said that you give them the information, but in a way that keeps things keeps questions unpacking. So it's always more interesting to um, to give information to people and let them misinterpret it or uh, or, or let them uh, have another question come up from it. So I'm uh, I, I keep going back to this idea that one of the things the mice quotient helps with is figuring out how to end something. Mm-hmm. And uh, a, a really great example that keeps coming to mind is Elantris by Brandon, um, which is very much a milieu story because it's about the people who are stuck in this kind of city of death. But ultimately, I think it has to be an inquiry story because it is resolved in the end by figuring out why the magic is broken and then fixing it again. Um, and that feels really meaningful to me that knowing what kind of ending you want is if that story was just about surviving in this city and then getting out again, that would be a very different story than the one he told. But because, you know, just who he is as an author, he's very interested in how does magic work that turns it into an inquiry story and changes the whole flavor of it because of the ending that he's driving toward. Oh, that's a great and interesting. Yeah, that's that's a good example, because that is a, definitely a story that could have where where it could have gone two different ways, and the setup also shifts um, somewhat when you when you do that differently. But yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and also, you I think you could make a case that Elantris is an event story as well, because it begins when he is cursed. Basically, that's like the first line of it. He woke up and he was damned. Um, And that's a huge change in status quo. And it's a thing that has disrupted his life. But it's that ending that he is that really defines it, because that's the moment he wanted to create. So this also we'll we'll talk about this more later when we get uh, into to the nesting things. But I'm going to go ahead and flag it now that one of the things that you can do is you can have a single event uh, resolve two different. two different threads simultaneously, which is which is one of the things that that Brandon is doing at the end of Elantris, because because it that that is fixing more than one problem. It is answering a question. It is resolving the the being damned. It is, you know, it's lifting a curse. It's doing multiple things, Mm -hmm. which is why when we're talking about these and, and when you're thinking about examples, it's it's very easy to get confused about how to construct a story because when you're looking at stories, they're made up of all of these different elements. And so trying to decide 
you know, which pieces to include in your story when you're looking at examples that are are all jumbled together, it, it can be really tricky. And and that's why I'm like, let's let's talk about each of them individually so that you know what the ingredients are, and then you can decide how to how to use them and which ingredients you want to include in your story. So Charlotte, you looked again like you had something you wanted to to add there. Um did I? Did I have something? I may, I might have looked like that. Um, yes. So, <laughs> thanks, Mary Robinette. So um, with the inquiry, to end an inquiry thread or story correctly, all questions need to have been answered. You can't leave any dangling. Well, you can't. Uh, oh, this is why I like you. You ask me very hard questions. I know. Um, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. No, 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 I'm no. Full of them. This is exactly. This is exactly why I wanted you to come and and play with us. Um, so, so in general, um, no, you do not need to answer every question. Like when you get to the end of a story, you don't need to tie up every single loose end, but you do need to figure out which ones are the ones that the reader has been um, holding on to. Because if you leave those unresolved, that's when the reader is going to to feel unsatisfied. If we go back to my metaphor about that that piece of elastic, Mm -hmm. um, you can have something that that kind of uh, starts up, but isn't isn't like load bearing in any way. Yeah. That um, that that you know we never know the answer to, and you can also make it a design state that this is just something that we will never know the answer to. Um, how did the universe really start? I mean, someone can spend a lot of time learning it, and the the ultimate answer can be we won't know. But the the the, the key is to signpost for the reader that that is a specific design state, that that is kind of, it's like, no, you, you aren't going to get the answer to that. Um, and then the other piece of it is, uh, like, there's a, there's a lot of that going on in Annihilation. It's like, no, you don't, you don't get to know. You don't kind get of, to know. maybe a little bit, but you're going to have to <laughs> string a lot of things together. Good luck with that. Um, so what you're looking at are did you did you answer the the questions that you promised at the beginning the reader would have the answer to? And you know, is that something that was was load bearing that that you had tension on the entire time? If you if you didn't answer it, they're going to wonder. They're just going to be left wondering. And sometimes you mm. want that. The mm. other piece is that if you get to the end of a story and you open up that new question, that's called a cliffhanger. Yeah. And there are times and places when you want to do that. But you have to figure out whether or not the the frustration that the reader is going to feel that, oh, but I don't know the answer. If 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 that's something that you are buying on purpose mm-hmm. or if that's something that you put in your bag by accident. Yeah. Whether it's intentional or not be mm-hmm. intentional. Mm-hmm. Great. You know, as you were saying that, Mary Robinette, uh, an example occurred to me of uh, the movie Chinatown, which ends with frustration, but it is not an inquiry-based frustration. Hmm. Uh, You get to the end of that movie, 
all the questions have been answered. The promise that we would tell you the truth has been fulfilled. But the movie never promised you'd be happy about it or that the problems themselves would be solved. And so it has this horrible, tragic ending. And you but it it doesn't feel frustrating in the same way that an unresolved question would be because of the way the promises were established in the beginning. Speaking of promises in the beginning, we did say that this would be 15 minutes long, and uh, so far all of these have run to 20. Uh, Sorry about that. Um, But uh, we are going to um, do some homework. So your homework this time is that uh, you're going to take whatever fairy tale you picked, and you're going to strip it down to being just an inquiry story. It will now look very different from the milieu ones. You're going to focus on the characters. Uh, excuse me, you're going to focus on the questions. So in my Goldilocks example, what happens is the bears arrive, excuse me, what happens is that Goldilocks gets in, is already in the house. Okay, because entering the house is, uh, is a milieu threshold. So Goldilocks is already in the house and she is investigating to figure out who lives in this house. And then ultimately, from the clues, she decides that who lives in this house are bears. But the bears don't come home because if they come home, that is, one, her not answering the question, but uh, deus ex machina answering the question. So she is answering the question. And the other thing is that it would kick off an event because now she's a she's an intruder in the home of the bears. So strip it down. So it's just Goldilocks in, in mine. Goldilocks is just exploring until she understands that it's bears, and all of the things that she misunderstands along the that that road. Sounds great. So there's your homework. You are out of excuses. Now go right. This episode of Writing Excuses was engineered by Marshall Carr Jr. and mastered by Alex Jackson. Your hosts were Dan Wells, C.L. Polk, Charlotte Forfier, and Mary Robinette Kowal. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storytellers' stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like, do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus. Locus. 